Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome back to Matt's World. I'm your host, Mads, and I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. If you have, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform or share with a mate. This week, in the wake of the record-breaking success of Channel 4's program, It's a Sin, we're discussing living with HIV and the stigma surrounding it. If you haven't yet watched It's a Sin, it's a beautiful but devastating series depicting a group of tight-knit queer friends living through the HIV and AIDS crisis in the 80s. The show starts out as a fun coming-of-age drama that explores identity, finding your tribe, and the chaotic journey that is your sexual discovery in your 20s. However, it takes a horrific turn as HIV begins to migrate from the US and London becomes a hotspot where the show is set. We see the brutal reality of the AIDS epidemic and the harsh, inhumane way that queer people, mostly gay men, were treated as a result. The series has thrown the stigma of HIV and AIDS into the public eye, and joining me up next is a really special guest, Luke Kelly. After watching It's a Sin, Luke was inspired to reveal his HIV status on Instagram through a video that has since received almost 60,000 views. David Furnish, chair of the Elton John AIDS Foundation and husband to Elton John, responded through BBC News saying to Luke, you are the most robust, happy, living example of what it's like to live with HIV nowadays. And you're so incredibly well informed about how the virus is transmitted and prevented and how well the drugs work. Up next, I'm delighted to welcome Luke Kelly to the podcast. Hello, Luke. Hello, Maddie. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining the show. So no um, first up, let's just do a quick speed date round. So this is just so <laughs> our listeners out there can sort of get to know you as a person oh, and then we can r- jump into story time and our question round. So this, this is the bit I was scared about. Really? <laughs> Why were you so scared? <laughs> <laughs> Not the other bit that we're going to actually talk about. <laughs> the get to know you questions okay well um i guess our first question is so this is um sort of i did a little bit of an introduction before but our first question is what inspired you to start talking about your journey of being hiv positive cool well yeah i it was mainly just from watching um it's a sin um Mm -hmm. i basically sat down to watch the show but kind of just thought i would be fine with it because i was diagnosed 10 years ago yeah so I kind of just I have become very accustomed to it and it's you know it's part of my life and you know mm-hmm. I, I just got on with it so I just kind of thought um you know obviously I thought I might be moved because I think mm-hmm. anyone is by the show yeah but um <clears throat> yeah it kind of just it did have a very strong like I had a very strong reaction to it and yeah. that made me question a lot of things and there's a couple of scenes in the show which really do question um they make you question your own journey as a as even just as a gay person not not yeah. only as hiv positive and um, what that meant and it just made me reflect and well yeah so and that's why i kind of came up with came to the decision that i wanted to sort of come up come out publicly about it for sure and um yeah we can get into all of that um later on but this is a dating podcast so um <laughs> the question stands how long have you been single um i've been single well officially for, for like just a few months actually i had like a, a slightly oh, wow. weird, um a slightly uh, 
um, I was going to say weird, that's not the word, but it was like a long distance, extended <laughs> holiday affair, I would say. Ooh, holiday romance. We love holiday romances at Matt's World. We have a couple of episodes about them. So, And how many relationships have you had? So including the holiday romance that turned into sort of like a six mm-hmm. months, six month thing, um, that, that, that would have been mm-hmm. my, I'd say fourth, to be honest. Okay, amazing. And um, how often would you say that you go on dates? Um, I don't really go on dates. That's, that's a weird thing. Like you're not a dater. I don't know. I just don't really. I mean, I'm sure there's some uh, maybe other gay guys listening, but I don't know. It's a bit weird to like dates. Like I don't know, especially with grinder and everything. It's 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 kind of taking the ro- mm-hmm. romance out of uh, dating. I think. Yeah, especially in London, and you, and you know what? We've had so many gay guys come on the podcast mm. as a guest, and a lot of you often say the same thing. It's really? just like I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. just a different sort of culture to straight dating. Yeah. Yeah. I I think so. It's a bit sad, really, but I think I think um, yeah. So gone are the days where you would actually just meet someone like organically in a in a in a bar. Um, the, I mean, obviously that still happens, but it's it's more rare. Especially in COVID times when we can't go. I to mean, bars. yeah, definitely that doesn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and our last question is: so I, I used to only ask this, "What's the best thing about being in a relationship?" to people who weren't single, but I think we should ask, "What is the best thing about being single?" Because being single can be really incredible and really amazing and some people prefer it so what is the best thing for you about being single i i think the best thing is actually just is it gives you that the the chance to just be a bit more independent and learn Mm um learn to be happy individually and uh, it sounds a bit wonky but i i think you know when you're looking for a, a partner or you maybe in a relationship you can become a little bit dependent or yeah just forget mm-hmm. what's important to be uh, on your you know it is important to be happy from within right so yeah definitely and not use people as a crutch and stuff and be able to support yourself exactly. if things go wrong because if things do go tits up and you're left like to pick up the pieces on your own it can be a bit of a shit show so mm-hmm. Hundred percent. I think that's what the um, my last um, the, the holiday romance. He he's actually Brazilian. He's mm. from um, mm-hmm. from Brazil, living in in Lisbon. That's why it was long distance. And he and he, wow. he said something that was very wiz, very wise. I thought, and he was like, mm. "We we we need to learn to be our own tree. You know, be don't like, lean on the other branches of a, someone else, and just you know, be your own independent." trees is very wise I thought I love that that's such a nice quote yeah. <laughs> um okay well yeah that's our speed date round done so um oh, everyone out there listening can have a better idea <laughs> thank god it's over <laughs> um, a better idea of, of who Luke is and um yeah sort of why what you're doing on the podcast and um I thought now for our story um our story time segment of the podcast you could tell us the story of how and when you discovered that you had HIV as much as you're comfortable telling obviously and um mm-hmm. Yeah, then we can sort of get into some questions, some listener questions and some just thought, thought-provoking questions in our um, left on red question round, which is named aptly so because being left on red just makes you question your universe and question your surroundings and question mm-hmm. everything about yourself. So, um, yeah, we'll have some insightful questions there. But, yeah, if you wanted to sort of um, tell us a bit about how, yeah, you discovered that you had HIV and the repercussions and stuff there, that would be really, um, really great. Yeah, Um so basically, I was I was at university. It was in my final year um, in 2011, and um, I just basically had an had an accident, uh, I suppose. Oh, not an accident, but it was like a risky situation um, mm-hmm. where where I slept with with someone, and that kind of risk, that kind of situation, just sort of. At the time, I knew that that was a risky <laughs> that was risky behavior, but I just sort of put it to mm-hmm. the back of my head and kind of just forgot about it because I, I didn't at the time know that mm-hmm. there was anything that I could have done to help myself um yeah. probably because of the lack of education um growing up mm-hmm. and you know lack of sex mm-hmm. education and especially uh, LGBTQ uh, awareness so I yeah. just sort of kind of put that situation to the back of my mind and I'm pretended and hoped that like nothing would have come from it and and that was it I just sort of carried on and then literally three weeks later I did a um, half marathon and mm-hmm. um the morning of the, mar- the half marathon I was like really ill I-, I started to feel really ill and I just thought oh no not today like this is the day I've been yeah. training for for months just typical mm-hmm. and anyway I forced myself into the run and Mm-hmm. And it was raining and windy and horrible day as well. So 
at the end of the run, I kind of got through it and pushed myself and then just basically just yeah. was so ill after that. It was like really very strange. I think I completely yeah. pushed myself to my limits when I even on top of like feeling ill. For sure. And I guess doing a marathon as well, it's normal to feel quite knackered and stuff. So you probably didn't really overthink it or anything. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And it, it does actually like intense exercise does actually temporarily mm. lower your immune system anyway. So um, mm-hmm. that's quite normal. And then obviously um, I was ill, so <clears throat> it kind of made things worse. And what ended, what happened was I ended up going to, to hospital mm. just to see what was wrong because I had like um, mm. some lumps on my neck and in my mm-hmm. armpits and in my groin. And, and the, these mm. were the lymph nodes, which is a sign that there's some kind of infection or the immune system is kind of doing overload. And I went to hospital and um, they did some, they they didn't really know what was happening, happened. Uh, It took them a long time to even sort of work it out basically. But um, what was happening was a a zero conversion of the, of the body. It's where the, basically the virus um, Mm -hmm. runs wild in the body and the, and the immune system has this crazy response um, which mm-hmm. it doesn't really know what's happening and it, it becomes suppressed for a period and the, the virus kind of mm-hmm. viral load is very, very high. And I was going through that process. Mm-hmm. It's called seroconversion. Um, and sort of after a couple of hours, definitely a few hours of being in hospital, the nurse, uh, one of the nurses came up to me and actually said, oh, can I ask you a few mm-hmm. questions about your sexual health? And at that point in my like. <laughs> Knowing like yeah. what had happened a few weeks earlier, um, so kind of like, the heart like my heart like j- like j- skipped a beat. Yeah, you can feel your stomach drop. My stomach dropped when you just said that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was. So I I kind of knew, but mm. pre- again, just hope that you know that couldn't mm. be me. And then yeah. um, and then they sent me home. So I think kind of they took some blood tests. Obviously, um, they asked me if I had sex with men and 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 all of that. So. Mm. And which I thought was a very leading question, but you know, I was just mm. like, Ugh. so then I went home, they sent me home, I went home and um, started to feel better over the next couple of days. And I think three, two or three days later, I can't, I can never remember whether it was two or three, but they rang me, mm. rang me at home. Um, I was in my student halls, well, stu- third year student house. And uh, yeah, I got the mm. phone call and the, and the doctor told me that I was positive. Um, wow. And that was just, yeah, it was, I'll never sort of forget that moment. I was staring out, looking into the, onto the road, and um, my friend mm. just pulled up in a in a in her car, and she came mm. in, and I was on the phone, and just yeah. I mean, she fortunately she was she came to sort of she was there at that moment. It was a very close friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I told her, and yeah, neither of us knew what that meant. Like we were both mm. terrified, actually, like because neither of us yeah. um, had that in our vocabulary or understanding of what that actually meant for sure and there's so much information out there on the internet that like you know telling you different things and there's forums and there's government websites and there's all this and you're sort of reading it like what do I yeah like where do you even start with educating yourself that once you've just heard something like that you know yeah so obviously at that moment there was there was I mean there there is there is information out there there was information out there but it just wasn't widely widely available or widely known I suppose I suppose it was mm-hmm. available just mm-hmm. you didn't know necessarily how to get to that information and at that moment I think mm-hmm. you know the, the 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 harsh reality of the situation was that I thought I was I was going to die and uh, it was very traumatic <laughs> to be honest and one thing that mm-hmm. it's a sin the show made me actually reflect on was my initial thoughts which I've always known for the last 10 years literally that my initial thought was Mm-hmm. How can my parents see me die? And that was just something yeah. that I had kind of, I mean, I, that I knew that that had been my first thought, but I hadn't actually reflected on that. And um, there is this mm-hmm. amazing speech at the end of It's a Sin. Um, yeah. Sorry if this is a spoiler for anyone, but um, they, the, she, she talks about shame and, and gay shame and how uh, the, mm-hmm. the, act, the characters in, in, in the show, they experience uh, they grow up in a homophobic world, basically, where they tell them, you know, they feel shameful mm-hmm. for being gay every single day of their lives. And then, yeah. of course, they get this illness and it's just kind of it's their just reserve, uh, reward for being gay. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And it just justifies all of that hate and all of those horrible things that they've felt about themselves their whole lives because of what society's impinged on them. It just, it's just so convenient for all of all the people that perpetuate that hate every day. So such a convenient disease that's targeting the people that, you know, they believe are somehow doing the wrong thing or whatever they believe. Exactly. And, and that, so yeah, this is kind of, for me watching this on the sh- on the on the show was was literally like a mirror mm-hmm. to my 21 year old self because that is how i felt mm-hmm. i felt um you know the fact that i first thought the first thought that came through my mind was how are my parents going to see me die rather than how oh, oh no i'm yeah. going to die you know so this is a really interesting yeah. reflection for me and um really made me want to unpack that and really get into that mm-hmm. shame and and understand like why um, why I was keeping it a secret. Um, but yeah, but to answer yeah. the question, which is about information was I had to, I had to educate myself really. And, you know, and, and mm-hmm. like you said, there, are, there, there was information around, so I had to seek it out and find it and understand mm. that actually there is medication for HIV today and back in 2011. And <clears throat> although things have changed mm. in the last 10 years, even then it was still a completely manageable mm-hmm. illness and and um and it's weird to think that in in it's a sin you know that's 1980 1990 yep. that's only 30 40 years ago like it's not even that long ago so you know for 10 years to go by the amount that things must have changed between uh-huh. now and then it's sort of just goes to show like it, how much it has changed in 40 years but that that level of shame and the that stigma is clearly still mm. there if that's you know how how you were feeling when you found 100%. out 100% and yeah i think even the last 10 years things ha- things have changed attitudes have changed and also um mm. like a, a medical mm-hmm. advice has changed but um mm. but the medication hasn't really changed that much and and uh yeah um, so you know it could, it could if if we'd known about these things a bit more widely you could have saved me a lot of trauma and, you know, and thinking, Hey, that was going to die and mm. B that I would never be able to have sex again. And, yeah. You know, all, all of, all of these things, um, which I had to sort of discover myself. And, and, and actually it's important to, to mention actually one big discovery that I did learn was that this, um, course of treatment called PEP was available actually when I got diagnosed mm-hmm. PEP, mm-hmm. which stands for uh, post exposure mm-hmm. pro- prophylaxis. And which just basically mm-hmm. means that if you have had a seat, like a sort of a, a risky situation, you can actually go to a clinic the next mm-hmm. morning and uh, take a course of medicine for like, I think one month oh. and it can actually stop you, stop the virus yeah. from taking hold in the body. So that was available at the time. And, you know, that could have helped save my diagnosis. Um, so and still available now. Yeah, that's that's really really important for um everyone out there listening to know as well. Yeah. So um yeah, I'll put a link in the episode description with a bit more info and stuff mm. about that if you can um give give me some good sources and stuff that would be super helpful. But I was going to ask, do you think that um that gay shame sort of contributes to the lack of education that people are getting even in high school and stuff or you know when people are sort of discovering their sexuality? Like why why is there such a gap in the education in this mm-hmm. well i i think it, it definitely it's it, it i don't think it's because of gay shame i think sh- gay shame is a is mm-hmm. a result of the ignorance i think the reason actually mm-hmm. is is um is because of homophobia and uh, that that is deeply mm-hmm. rooted in in our society and policy um <clears throat> for example mm-hmm. i i grew up um under section 28 which was a, which is a um, a law that Margaret Thatcher pa- passed in 1988 saying that homosexuality was not mm-hmm. uh, to be spoke about in schools, in state schools, which is why I went to. Mm. And, you know, like we, yeah, we wow. you know, so like that was released in 2003. So I would have been 13. And of course the policy was, the, the law was changed, but I don't think the curriculums were updated any time, like overnight. So mm-hmm. certainly in all of my education, I was never told about anything LGBT related. Yeah. And I guess anything that you did here would have probably come from, you know, whether it came from parents yeah. or people older than yeah. you who were growing up and were our age during the eighties and nineties when they were taught that um, HIV and AIDS was a death sentence because that's how they could stop people dying from it without a, without a cure at the exactly. time. So I guess if, if that, yeah, archaic education is just filtering down, then that's all people have access to unless you do proper research, but you're not encouraged to do so. No, absolutely not. And I think the only time I'd ever heard of HIV growing up was 
basically that the gay disease that sort of went rattled through mm. New York in the eighties and killed loads of gay men. And also mm. on like comic relief, like World World AIDS Day and stuff like that, where you know you just think mm-hmm. it's a purely an African problem and people are dying of mm. AIDS. So you really just don't think that um, it could happen to you and, and that, you know, you're growing mm-hmm. up in, I was growing up in the northeast of England, a little rural town, and then went to U- university in Newcastle, which is where I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. which I would never have believed that, you know, even though I knew what I'd done was risky, I basically had, had sex uh, without a condom. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew it was risky, but. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At the same time, like I just didn't think it could happen to me. Um, yeah, and I've definitely been there with um, with friends that are gay and, you know, they've been in the same situation, had sex without a condom and we're on Google, we're like, oh, it's only 0.7% of people in England and we're trying to do the maths and stuff and you never think that it will happen to you because it is, it is nowadays a lower chance. But, I mean, that, the thing is there's still 101,000 people or so that are living with HIV, so it is still a risk that's out there. Yeah, and out of those 101, I think a lot of them are actually on medication now and, and undetectable. Mm. Um, which mm-hmm. um which is great which undetectable if yeah. people don't know means literally <clears throat> the the amount of virus in the blood is actually undetectable by a machine so it means that it's so low mm. that it, you basically cannot pass it on um mm. at all and that's a fact so we, we can't scream that loud enough really because that really does <clears throat> yeah. take the sting out of all of the stigma you know it, it just kills it because it's like can't pass it on and if you knew that when you found out your diagnosis as well, if that's something that was widely known, you know, it, you could have saved you so much trauma from, you know, all the thoughts that went you through your head when you found out. So that's one thing that actually sort of has evolved in the last 10 years. Um, back when I was diagnosed, it wasn't actually, it wasn't official. Uh, that wasn't a fact. Mm-hmm. The research hadn't been conducted um, when I was diagnosed. So there was always a chance that you would pass it on, even if you were um, mm. sort of, even if you were taking effective medication. So that was 
that's mm. some there's some things that have changed in, in in the time since I've been diagnosed, which has kind of <clears throat> really helped help me and also di- di- go a lot a long way in helping the fight against stigma. For sure. And it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see in the next 10 years and in the next 10 years, you know, the developments there and stuff as well. I mean, if we're already yeah. at a level where undetectable means untransmissible, then it'll be, yeah, it'd exactly. be interesting to see how far they, how far yeah. they can go. And of, co- and of course, on that note, there's also, um, so I mentioned PEP before, and now in the last mm-hmm. five years, they developed um, a new course of treatment called called PrEP, which means pre-exposure mm-hmm. uh, prophylaxis, and mm-hmm. um, obviously that means that you can um, take the course of treatment um, prior to having sex or like just re- just regularly, and it can actually stop mm-hmm. you from getting HIV uh, altogether. So, <clears throat> um, so yeah, there's like lots of things that uh, even the, the negative person can do to protect themselves now, um, yeah. as well as obviously wearing a condom. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll definitely include a link in the episode description as well for everyone listening. If you want to learn more about PrEP and PEP as well, yeah, I'll make sure yeah. that we've linked everything. But um, mm. yeah, so thank you so much for sharing your story of how you discovered that you were HIV positive. I think um, a lot of people out there, it would have been really moving for them to hear it. I know it was for me. Um, so we've got a few mm. questions from from listeners. So I did a few Instagram yeah. polls and, and that kind of thing this week to yeah, see what people, Amazing. yeah, to see what people actually wanted to know speaking to someone with HIV because I think e- even if you did know someone who had HIV, you may not, you know, know that they were positive. They, it may be mm-hmm. that um, they've never told you. So I, I think a lot of people are really interested to know um, from the horse's mouth sort of more about <laughs> more about um, the disease and um, how it affects you. So our first question is, um, what are the main issues people with HIV face? So this includes like health-wise and socially. So how it affects, you know, your social circles and then, um, yeah, just your general well-being. Yeah. So, like, I think from a from a medical perspective nowadays, there's very, very little um, issue really, you know, in terms of health because the medication is so effective now that you can take, um, in most cases, you can take one pill a day. And that will mm-hmm. literally uh, lower your viral load to an undetectable level, which firstly means mm-hmm. your health is is just as it was, and it's and you live a long and healthy life, just like you know mm-hmm. all, all your negative counterparts. And secondly, mm-hmm. it means that you can't pass on the virus, so it really means that you you're not putting others at risk, and you don't have that stress, mm-hmm. and you don't have that that fear of of sex, um, which which I did in, in initially, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, you you know things are different now like when I was diagnosed they didn't want you to go on medication straight away because mm. everything was a little bit different you know the, the the guidelines were stay off medication as long as you can we don't want you to have the side effects of the medication and stuff um mm. which which was the guidelines at the, at the time but uh, because the treatment has evolved you know nowadays they just put you on treatment straight away it, there's hardly any side yeah. effects for, for a lot of people and mm-hmm. you you can live a healthy life and and, and it kind of gives you peace of mind that you're not going to pass it on. Yeah. And I think that peace of mind is so important as well. Just um, like living with the disease mentally is obviously can be quite challenging. As you said, when you were 21, when you found out you went through a lot of, a lot of trauma and um, yeah, Yeah. a huge discovery about what that meant for you. So I think that peace of mind is really important. I think adding to that. So like from a medical perspective, it's, it's kind of fine. Um, But, but HIV really is, you know, in Western uh, countries where where we have medication it's mm. kind of evolved into a mental illness rather than a physical illness because you mm. know the shame really is 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 still is still there and this this fear mm. and shame comes from you know from the fear that was spread in the 80s uh, around the disease mm-hmm. i think as a result of the homophobia um, and that yeah. like you said is what our par- you know that is in the recollections of our parents generation who who lived through it um, and that's all we mm-hmm. hear about there's never never really been a full on follow-up story by the media to say no it's actually it's actually okay we have prep now there's pep if you've had if you've had a problem the medication is amazing you can't pass it on there's never really been Mm -hmm. a huge like push to kind of really push to destigmatize this um again i think probably because it's still seen as a gay disease um which is Mm -hmm. you know like it's just oh it's just the gays you know they can get on with it i think if it was Mm. um a a nationwide thing affected everyone like like coronavirus (laughs) exactly Mm. you'd you'd be hearing a lot more about it and i think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to make the contrast between you know stark difference between 
um, COVID and HIV, you know. Absolutely. And I think seeing... um I think seeing in It's a Sin as well when Richie's, you know, prancing around telling everyone not to believe in the disease and it doesn't mm-hmm. exist and everything, you can definitely see parallels. Like I know when it was all first starting last year with COVID, I was mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing. You know, everyone's running around at work, just having a laugh. There's all memes going around about it and everything. And I think mm-hmm. you can definitely see the parallels. But where there's not a parallel is how the government responded and and how um you know people worked to educate each other and help each other rather than mm-hmm. ostracize you know certain communities like they did with the HIV and AIDS crisis back in the 80s it's you know it was sort of everyone together whereas this is this is different and when people think about you know global pandemics that people are thinking back to the spanish flu as the the most recent mm-hmm. case of something like this happening when really mm-hmm. the aids the age crisis in the 80s is only, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, it's still going on. Um, like I think last year mm. there was 800,000 800, people died of AIDS in the world. Um, wow. Which isn't, and that was just last year. So this is a figure mm. that's sort of similar every year. And yeah. it isn't really dissimilar to the amount of people who've died of COVID last year. So, no, yeah. you know, it, it's actually scary to think like now it obviously doesn't, it, it, it's more affected in in. In, con- in countries where they can't afford the treatment or where it's mm-hmm. actually homosexuality is illegal. Um, that's an interesting statistic yeah. that where it's illegal to be gay, the likelihood of you dying from AIDS is so much higher in a country where it's actually legal, ironically. Wow. Yeah. And I guess you wouldn't be going to your doctor with these symptoms if you sort of had an idea Absolutely. of where it had come from. Like it, it just goes back to back to the 80s when they're, you know, sort of feeling that gay shame and not it like, you know, when Richie goes in, yeah. it's a sin to the doctor and uses a fake name. So yeah, exactly. And I mean, people still use fake names. Even today I have friends, um, yeah. not many friends. I don't know many people who are HIV positive because, you know, uh, even within the gay community, we don't really talk about it that much, but I do have one mm-hmm. friend and he uses um, a fake name because he doesn't mm-hmm. feel comfortable, you know, re- re- revealing that information about himself. Um, he's not ready for yeah. the world, world to know about it. Um, so yeah, like the stigma is is real. The Terence Higgins Trust did a did a, a poll last year uh, to, in 2019, and um, it it showed that 45% of people 45% of people wouldn't kiss someone with HIV, and then a th- another third mm. wouldn't go on a date with someone with HIV. Yeah, which is just wild. So I guess that sort of goes mm. to show the social impact um, that it has, and you know, I guess mentally hiding away is sort of you know going back to how a lot of gay people might feel before they came out and feeling like you can't be yourself and be honest with Mm. people and the people you love but yeah just that social that social those statistics you know would make people probably more reluctant to you know come out and and reveal their Mm. um hiv status as well because it just all contributes to that gay shame yeah definitely so our next question was, um, how has being HIV positive impacted your dating life since you found out? So obviously it's been 10 years and yeah. I'm sure you've, it's been a roller coaster since yeah. then because um, dating in your 20s is, you know, all about um, our sexual discovery and exploration and sort of figuring mm-hmm. yourself out. But, yeah, how has it impacted your dating life? Yeah, so like I mentioned, um, the initial – when I was diagnosed in 2011, they, they advised me not to go on medication um, for several mm-hmm. reasons. Um and that's now changed. So I just like to point that out. But back then, obviously, I wasn't mm-hmm. on medication. So I was a little bit more immunosuppressed. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I was getting colds and flus and shingles and Bell's palsy and, and little convic- uh, complications like mm-hmm. this. Um, so it was like it was a bit of a stress to, to, to deal like with my own health. And on top of this, obviously, you mm-hmm. are contagious. Um, so you have to be really, really careful with who you sleep with mm. and, and obviously, and really tell, you have to tell people back when, when you have yeah. that, um, when there's that risk. And yeah, it was really terrifying for me to back then to like meet anyone, um, mm. to be honest and, and what their reaction was. So I was kind of terrified of, of having sex for, for, yeah. for a while. And I actually, I actually met, uh, my first proper boyfriend um and he was amazing um he actually mm-hmm. i told him like after four weeks of, of, of not doing anything mm-hmm. um at which point mm-hmm. he was like why 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 have we not done anything yet <laughs> um but uh, <laughs> i kind of told him in the end and um like i will always be grateful to him because he he was was amazing and um 
oh. kind of saw it as a strength rather than a weakness and uh, and I thought that was amazing wow. and uh, we worked through it and um back then prep didn't exist so obviously it was it was a yeah it was really challenging and it you know he he embraced it and uh you know it just made me like him even more so that was that was amazing yeah that's that's a really he seems like a really incredible person I guess that's the kind of you know that's sounds like exactly what you needed at the time to sort Absolutely. of have someone have confidence yeah. in you and, and go through that with someone yeah. you know as a as a team and stuff because that's like any relationship you should do you should approach things as a team because absolutely yeah he was amazing and um yeah. i know that i well, you know other people aren't as haven't been as fortunate um in the past um when mm. things were a little bit different yeah i can imagine um but obviously you know that that was great for me and then that relationship ended and i came out a lot more confident because obviously he he gave me confidence really um mm. and then as a result then as the years go by you know things um i think first thing that happened was u equals u was was information that mm-hmm. they they released which was uh, like you mentioned mm-hmm. it undetectable equals un, untransmittable um which again yeah. gave me complete peace of mind oh finally now this medication that i'm Oh, and of course i forgot to mention i actually went on medication so that that was a, a huge sort of peace of mind <laughs> Um, and then yeah. they then in the first couple of years of being on medication, they 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 weren't sure whether I, if it was a hundred percent that I couldn't pass it on. But then after a couple of years, mm. they released that data, which again was a, another pe- yeah. a, a thing which was just amazing for me. And then of course, Absolutely. in the last in the last five years, they they uh, released prep, and um, obviously mm-hmm. that gives the, the the HIV negative person uh, opportunity to mm. sort of doubly cover themselves. So yeah, it's yeah. it's been and that's come available only in 2019 on the NHS. So wow. that's fantastic. Uh, it's a fa- fantastic thing for all gay men, really. Any and and I say gay men, but it's it's for anyone really, you know, because yeah, anyone is at a risk of, of catching HIV, and the statistics mm-hmm. prove that. You know, I think 45 percent of people who are living with HIV in the UK are um, heterosexual. Um, yep. or, or have have caught it via heterosexual sex so um, yeah. yeah perhaps an amazing resource an amazing thing it is it's amazing as well because it, it gives power back to people who you know you being gay and feeling marginalized you might feel as though there's been a loss of power and you might feel a little bit out of control especially someone who's living with hiv it gives you a little mm. bit of control and autonomy power back, back over your own sex life and and your own health and your own you know way of life and i couldn't agree more and that, and that and that's one of the huge um, amazing things that have, <clears throat> that has happened uh, recently and but it it wasn't easy even prep i think they had to take the government to like ch- charities had to take mm. the government to court to even get that passed Jesus. because again it's just oh, it's a constant struggle it's a constant battle um mm. that uh, which is i think is buried in in stigma and um homophobia to be honest for sure and um in in saying that going back to the stigma conversation do you think Mm. so this was a question from one of my gay friends do you think that the gay community contributes to perpetuating the stigma as much as the cis community so I guess um Mm. yeah just thinking back to like to any friends that you have that are gay or people you've dated and or even yourself like how do you think the gay community contributes to that as well as the wider community um I think I think they have done I think Gay, mm. uh, the gay community are more aware nowadays. Um, I think basically all of my gay friends know about PrEP and PEP. Um, mm-hmm. And they also know what unde- a lot of people know what undetectable means and also mm-hmm. that undetectable equals untransmittable. So th- so mm-hmm. these facts in in, the, in itself are the, the, the cornerstone to, to, to killing stigma so and i Mm. think they're more widely known within the gay community which is great having said Mm -hmm. that over the years i've um i mean i've been very private about it and i really felt it was a a secret that i you know i held on to and i wasn't Mm -hmm. ready for the world to come out so but i I have you know i have had it sort of leak out to a couple of people and someone you know Mm. throw it back in my face when i wasn't expecting it and that was a bit of a, a huge shock and yeah and you know i've also heard uh gay people you you know say oh don't go down there you'll get aids or just silly yeah. silly like remarks which are not 
they're not cool at all and um for sure and that's just the bottom of the pyramid isn't it it's the same with things like you know toxic masculinity leading up to like yeah. rape culture leading up to actual sexual assault it's just those little comments that are normalized in in certain circles and then it all ladders up well exactly and and um obviously back then i wasn't in a in a position to to feel mm-hmm. like i could speak out and and um tell people about that because because I just didn't want people to find out you know so I just, just yeah. stayed silent really so how do you how do you feel now that you have been honest and open with the world about your HIV status it's it all sort of boils down to that that speech that um the character Jill uh gives mm. in in it's a sin and it's about you know mm. the, the gay shame and I mm-hmm. think really when I thought about why why aren't I talking about this why am I keeping mm. it a secret because yeah, because it's really, it's really, you know, I mean, everyone has has sex. I mean, that's why we're all here. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty much assuming that most people have may have had. You don't even have to have risky sex. People can get it from being mm. in loving relationships. It, 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 it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I really think the the cause of catching HIV is nothing to be ashamed of either. And. Mm. It's just, and it's a really manageable illness now, you know, like I don't, mm. it, it's, it's way easier to manage than, for example, someone with diabetes, you know, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, um, if I had a choice, I'd rather have HIV because, mm. because, because di- diabetes, you know, it, you have to inject, you, uh, it, it yeah. can be quite very serious. And um, so why, why, if you, if I had diabetes, it wouldn't be holding it a secret. So why, why was I holding this as a secret? Yeah. It made me really think about it. And it, and it is just sort of where it's, it's because of mm. the stigma. It's because of the shame around HIV. And like I said earlier, this is, this is perpetuated yeah. by the, the, the homophobia that is embedded in the society. And, yeah. and I just was like, this little homophobe inside me was just holding on to this secret for like dear life. And I just suddenly yeah. thought, like, no, I'm just gonna, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna talk about it with my with my friend. Um, I did it on an Instagram yeah. live. Yeah, yeah, I just thought I'll do it in a public forum because you know if it, if it helps other people, then okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and obviously since I did, obviously yeah. the reaction was a mind blowing. Yeah. Um, but that in itself proves to me that it really is. It is something that people are still a bit shocked about and it's a shocking thing that someone would come out about their mm. HIV status even today even even with everything that I've just said even the advances in technology Absolutely. um so it's definitely a conversation that people you know is is where people want to have want to be educated by and want to engage in and I think yeah, yeah for me it's just really to answer your question fully is like it just feels like I'm not hiding anything anymore and you know, I was yeah. I was sort of twenty one when I sort of started to tell people that I was was gay, and mm-hmm. you know, within no maybe twenty when I started to tell people that I was gay like more openly, mm-hmm. and with by the time I was twenty one, I was diagnosed with HIV. So just as I started to open up to the world, I then had this other secret that I had to deal with, mm-hmm. which I wasn't able to yeah, to, come, wow. to open up fully. And now after ten years, it's just. You know, it's, I'm just able to yeah. talk about it. Must be quite freeing. So freeing. I, I think someone, was it you or someone messaged me like a quote recently and it was it's something like um, the only thing that can hurt us is the things that we guard. So uh, as a secret or something like this. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. It's sort of like the, um, and it's the ideas that you create in your head and the situations you create in your head yeah. if it was to get out. And, <laughs> you know, you spend so much time worrying exactly. about things that, don't actually happen and and aren't even real I mean yeah just the theoretical situations you make up in your head and I guess you would have had all of those fears but you know now that I'm sure there's some people that you know homophobic people that would have their own opinions Mm. but the amount of people that I've seen that you've helped and that have reached out to you and Mm. you know praised you for like you know giving them the strength to feel confident in themselves and you know like what David Furnish said to you on BBC it's just Mm. incredible that um, yeah, it's something like this. So many people are going through it, but they're going through it in silence and they don't have anyone to look to. Like they've got, you know, information on Google, but or, you know, the there's sh- even shows like It's a Sin. It shows the dark side and the scary side, but there's no one to look to for inspiration or support. Yep. So I think, yeah, what you've done is incredible. And um, mm, yeah, I think you. a lot of people would be really thankful that, um, yeah, you've come out and shared your story. And yeah. I think it's great as well when, um, yeah, someone like you can have influence and help people because, mm. um, you know, we're all kind of 
living the same weird experiences. And so if people can come out and be vulnerable, I think that's really powerful and yeah, really important. I think and I think it's worth <laughs> worth saying is that I'm 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 sitting in a in a place of, of privilege, right? Like that and and I and I mm. felt that I I could come out and, and talk about this um mm-hmm. after ten years of course. You know, it is a journey and you know I'm not I don't mm. think anyone is expected to come out straight away, but you know, like I am in a place of privilege, um, that, you know, the way that I look, mm-hmm. the way, my race, my gender mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, the, the society that I live in. And I know that there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who are not as privileged and, you know, that I think that's why mm-hmm. it, it actually sort of resonated in a way. For sure. And, and the thing is, the sad fact is that, I mean, it's, you know, it's not sad. It's just a fact of life. People listen to, you know, white men at the end of the day and attractive white men as well. And I think if you can, you know, take that and harness it and use it and use it to connect with people that just might need to hear it from someone who sort of, as David Furnish says, someone who's a robust and happy living example of what it's like to live with HIV nowadays. I think if you can be a source of inspiration for people, that's really incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have, I have a couple more questions. Mm-hmm. So knowing what you know now and the journey that you've been on, what would you say to your younger self if you could talk to him at 21? I mean, like loads of change. And it's quite interesting that you said this because I actually basically did, did this, um, the day after I, I mm. did my Instagram live because, um, someone mm. messaged me the, the day after I did it saying, um, Hi Luke, I just saw your video. Um, I was diagnosed today. Thank you for me. Like, thanks for you know doing the video. And we ended up having like a conversation. And I basically just told him everything that I would have told myself. And oh my god, yeah, it was intense. Um, I mean, it's it's been so many messages like this. It's been so intense, uh, like emotionally, but you know, like anyway. What did us? What I, I I just sort of told him, like you know, it's your life's changed, you know, you're going to have to take medication now Mm. every day for the rest of your life. But Mm -hmm. it it really is no different Mm -hmm. to, you know, girls who take the the contraception pill or people who take vitamins every day. You know, it's just something that we have to get used to. Which is so incredible to think that 40 years ago, 30 years ago, you watch It's a Sin and you think that that was the fate that people had to come to terms with. And I just think it's so amazing. And I, I'm to be honest, until I watched the show, until I saw your video, until I spoke to you about Mm. it and did some research, like I didn't know that this was the, this was the state of it. And I think that 80% of people on my Instagram said that they didn't know Mm. that they didn't know, they weren't informed about HIV. And I just think it's so important that people I wasn't informed about HIV. I had to sort of find that information myself. And I think what's, what's a huge honor for me is that like people are listening to this conversation and mm. this is really helping like get it you know get it out there that you know mm-hmm. this status of this of the of the uh of the disease now and that can save people a lot of trauma um just like hopefully this mm-hmm. this guy that um that i was speaking to on instagram who who just who came out to me yeah. uh, who was diagnosed that day and and you know like hopefully hopefully he, he won't experience as much uh, heartache as what I had to sort of go through and yeah. he knows that he's undetectable Aww. that he, once he goes on medication of course um which he's now mm. started um he, his viral load will drop to a very low level at which point he can't pass the virus on it means mm-hmm. his immune system will be super healthy and it won't have any effect on the relationships that he has have um will have or whatever and even casual relationships you know mm. so hopefully yeah, yeah. And he, he actually, what's funny, if he's listening, he'll laugh. He said, he asked me, um, does the medication <laughs> affect sunbeds? <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that is... He can get his tan still. Hopefully that is the, <laughs> the biggest of his worries. He still can go on the sunbed, by the, by the way. So, yeah, that's not an issue. <laughs> but, um, wow, yeah. that's the best thing about it. <laughs> um <laughs> So um, I guess speaking again about people listening, what can people listening do to help? So if you've heard this and you've watched It's a Sin and, and you want to, you feel like you want to do something, what what's the message that they can they can share and you know what can they do to help? Yeah, I, th- I think the main the main thing is is firstly just like maybe learning a little a bit about it because like I said that Terence Higgins Trust uh, mm. survey it, it gave really terrifying results really that the stigma still exists and I think the best thing that we can do in in terms of education is really just understand that u equals u you can't pass it on if you're on effective treatment the second thing is 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 Mm -hmm. know about prep um 
which the government have just invested something like two billion moving forward uh, about the uh, release of, of more medication and people yeah. are campaigning to get it more freely available so it's not just in sexual health clinics um but yeah so mm-hmm. you know know about prep if you um if you've if you are sexually active it's that's something that you can do and mm-hmm. i think they're the two things that really help destigmatize hiv yeah to be honest and i think they're really good actionable things as well like they're things people can actually go out there and do so if you are listening yeah just remember um you can always go and educate yourself and then um yeah i guess educate your friends as well and yeah and it's like it's like you said it's like you said like also if you hear those side comments mm. you know like just mm. you don't always have to do it in the moment but you can always tell someone later oh, by the way that comment mm. that you said it's actually it's not true or you know whatever it's not cool and not- and I guess as well it's all about learning together because someone might not know that what they're saying is offensive and I've been trying so hard this whole podcast to you know try and use the right <laughs> language and everything but you know we said before the call we're just going to do our yeah. best and you know that's that's all anyone can do so it doesn't even have to be an awkward conversation stamping out comments like that you can just have like a casual chat with your friend and sort of say that sort of stuff is you know what is contributing Mm. to this overall problem you know it doesn't have to be uh you know self-righteous like you can't say that type of conversation yeah yeah, for sure Mm. And I guess, so our, our next question is our second last question is what can the government do to help? So I know you just said yep. they've invested something, something mental, like 2 billion, um, 2 billion pounds towards, towards prep. Can you tell us more about that? And then what, what you think that they can do to help moving forward? Yes, I think, I mean, they have rolled, they put a lot of money into rolling it out and make it more available. Um, but I think at the moment mm-hmm. it is still only available mm-hmm. in gum clinics, which aren't always the nicest of places. I'm sure mm-hmm. we, we, we know that. So, yeah. um, one amazing thing would be to do is if they did get it available into like into gps and um pharmacists places where people Mm. can go and get it easily um so so that that's that's Mm -hmm. one thing that they could do um another thing um is is hiv still exists in policy uh like for example if you if you are hiv positive you can't join the army even now or the armed services. Yeah. Um, so I, I really just don't see why that is something that still exists in policy. Is it still an issue trying to get a home loan? Like in It's a Sin when Richie's trying to get yeah, a home loan I, to buy his house. Is that still an issue? Or- I actually don't quote me on that one uh, because I don't know the, the official answer, but I haven't heard about that one recently. Um, I haven't tried to get a home loan either. So. Okay, we can scrub that question out though. I was just genuinely curious because I did read on um, NHS website yesterday that it says you may have issues getting Oh, a loan. wow. Well, I mean, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, but um, we can just, I'll just edit this part I mean, out. I you don't even have to edit it out. That's such an interesting thing that we people, yeah. right, that's crazy. I mean, like I said, I haven't tried to get a home mm. loan so <laughs> yet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, keep us posted mm. on how you go. <laughs> um, another thing the government can do is uh, improve online testing because actually at the moment that's only available uh, nas- nationwide during testing week, a national testing week. Mm. Um, and mm. obviously I think in London it does depend. I mean, currently it depends on whether the borough that you live in wants to pay for it. Um, in London mm. they choose to do yeah. that. Um, but I think nationwide mm-hmm. um, it's not. that's not the other boroughs in other parts of the country don't necessarily don't pit double. I know that they don't do it. So one thing that I think should be like synonymous across the country is that online tests uh, should be available Mm -hmm. because it's just like COVID, you know, I'm really surprised at that, you know. I think um, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, every time I've gone to get an STD test or just do the home, like the finger prick one or mm. whatever, it's all. I just, but I've always lived in London, so yeah. I wouldn't know any different. But that's actually really surprising to me that that's not um, nationwide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I got diagnosed in Newcastle. Terence Higgins Trust think that yeah. there's, um, it's like a rough figure, but I think seven thousand people who are uh, around, like around, who are positive and not on treatment so very contagious so those, those seven thousand mm. people could be anywhere um and mm. you know so you know really it's it's important that we all have accessible access to, to testing mm. yeah testing is obviously and like i said like i was going to say is um it's just like when we think about it in covid terms that's all they talk about isn't it testing testing make sure you know your no make sure you know your um status if you're positive stay at home if you're negative then 
great. Mm. And it's the same with, with HIV. You know, if you are positive and you go on treatment and then you become undetectable, you can't pass it on. Yeah. If you're negative, then great. But knowing is so key. And I think that's the, mm. mo- the main thing that everyone can do. Yeah. And I think knowing is so key to stopping the spread. Like that's the same, it's the same with COVID, you know, if people know, then they can take action to stop, stop the spread. And I mean, eventually you'd hope it can get stamped out. Yeah. But I think if people don't have access to yeah. testing and if, as you said, there's 7,000 people out there that don't yeah. know, I mean, it's just, it's yeah. inevitable that it's going to continue. And, and that goes, that that's another thing for the general public to do is, you know, if you're in, if you have a doubt, like, and you haven't been tested for a while, just get a test and then, then no. And I think there's so yeah. much shame about this virus that people are actually even scared to know. And, you know, just hopefully if people are listening to this, they can understand that, you know, it, it isn't the end of the world anymore. And it's so much better if you know about mm. the status because you can help yourself go on medication and you can yeah. help other people by not passing it on. And one other thing, one other thing that the government could do to, to help is is improve the uh, the NHS testing, um, not just online, but also mm. They could make it like an opt-out service. Um, at the minute it's opt-in, you have to mm. ask for a HIV test. If if they ask everyone as mm-hmm. standard, then that would basically find so many more people who are who are positive in in the system who who probably would have fallen through um, the system otherwise. Yeah, because it does affect people who are sort of out of the kind of specific um, expected categories. Um, I know that the um, yeah. Elton John AIDS Foundation did a, like a pilot. Um, I can't. I don't know what it, it's like a trial thing that they did in hospitals in Southeast London, <laughs> and they basically yeah. paid the hospital if they found someone who's positive, and it was a lot of money, like one hundred and fifty thousand pounds or something. So mm. for every positive, so it was a huge amount of money. So the, so the hospital took the risk mm. and, and, and tested everyone and they found something ridiculous, like mm-hmm. 150 people and included, <gasps> yeah, really? including an 88 year old woman who was living with HIV oh. and undiagnosed, un- undiagnosed. So it's unbelievable that. Oh my you know, God. So she's just gone through her whole life just, you know, shagging I everyone. Know how, and- <laughs> exactly, I don't know how the hell she got it, but, uh, but I mean, there you go. That's that. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's another thing. That yeah, she could have had it for the last, you know, 30 or 40 years. And, and you know, it's just never. I mean, you'd, you'd probably expect her to have had it only for, t- for between 10 years, I would say, because it, it does it does yeah. co- catch up with you, obviously, if you don't. Um, if you don't go does it always develop? Does it always develop into AIDS if it's untreated, or is it just is it just a risk? Um, I think most cases it does. I think there's. Um, I mm-hmm. again, I'm not a scientist. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> we'll just caveat that in the. <laughs> Just a caveat to everyone listening, <laughs> Luke's not a scientist. <laughs> I mean, I think so every time um, it pretty much does catch up with you. It yeah. just depends on how good your immune system is at dealing with it. Some people can last like mm. quite a long, like up to like 15 years before they start getting ill and other people go, you know, it's only mm. a few years, three or four years before they start, um, the immune system really weakens with it. Um, but there are like a couple mm. of, uh, there, there is a pool of people um, who they mm-hmm. believe are kind of in some way immune to HIV. Um, they they can exhibit, they can be positive, uh, show positive on a test, but yeah. it actually, but they actually don't. Um, they have such a small amount of virus in their blood that they actually can live normal and they don't pass it on either. Um, Interesting. And they just found one. Yeah, I heard something a few years ago, and um, just a caveat: I'm also not a scientist. <laughs> but um, have you heard anything about the the person who um, had HIV and was living with it, and then ended up getting leukemia and had a bone marrow transplant to sort of try and um, combat the leukemia? And then once they had the transplant, they had their HIV. Um, I guess it would be what you're talking cured. about: that the vi- the te- detectable yeah. viral level was yeah, cured. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. Yeah, there was there was that case, and then there was the the case in uh, this, this. I think they called it the San Francisco um, patient, mm. and they found found that these people do exist who who have this this gene which um, basically controls the virus. And they, just recently, they found one wow. in. Um, it was just on the news recently. I think it was Brazil. They found someone, and yeah, um, yeah and it, it's amazing. It it, it means. 
it, it sort of just means scientists can like look into these patients and try and really mm-hmm. understand how that their bodies are able to deal with it and that can really help um with research into eventually yeah. finding a cure for sure and i guess it just yeah that goes into again it's exciting to think about what they're going to accomplish over the next 10 years if it's changed even a little bit in the last 10 years but so much since when it first started in the 80s you know it's just exciting to to see where it's going to go there's even talk there's even talk now of medication being um reduced to like an injection which you oh. can take once a month wow yeah, that's really exciting. Um, and I guess as well, what someone was saying to me, I mean, this it, is kind of a conspiracy theory type thing, is how they've managed to develop the COVID vaccine so quickly over the last year. But it's because there's so many people mm-hmm. that are piling money into it that scientists are able to work at higher speeds and pay for testing and pay for all these you know, um, different things that help a vaccine to get approved. So I guess, it, yeah, it's just interesting that... Um, you know, they say why can't some, why can't other diseases be cured as quickly? But I guess it's just because money's not being poured into it in the same way. When with something like COVID gets that much publicity, you know, something like HIV yeah. and AIDS is brushed under the rug. Like maybe it doesn't have as much financial support to be able to do those tests. So I guess it just it does take longer. But yeah. I mean, you'd hope that they will mm-hmm. get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, um, I I, th- I think sort of we <clears throat> we covered that a bit earlier, and I, I think yeah. there is there is a lot to be said about why there isn't the focus on HIV. Um, But I mean, like, I think in general, I I can't complain, you know, like the medications saves my life every day. So um, it's, it's great. Um, But, and and people, there are people working on it um, Mm -hmm. eventually. And I think probably within my lifetime, they will come up with a cure. Um, Yeah. Fingers crossed. I have one more question just because we've taken an hour, which it's been amazing. So um, this is my longest podcast I've ever done actually. But um, yeah, it's my longest one, (laughs) but it's, I think it's so interesting. I could, yeah, I love learning about this stuff and Mm -hmm. I think everyone listening is going to find it super interesting. But so what would you say to anyone listening that is currently living with HIV or has been recently diagnosed? Yeah. So, I mean, it, like I said, you know, it, it is a livable disease. Um, you know, life's going to change uh, for you. You have to take a pill a day, but um, y- there's so much uh, information out there that you 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 are part of something. You're not the only one suffering, and um, mm. you know, I think it does. It is it is an important question, um, Maddie, because it's not just gay men. You know, I've, mm. I was contacted by straight women, straight men who are living with this. And I yeah. think in within the gay community, it has sort of, it is becoming what more people are knowing more about HIV and, and, and the steps to take to reduce the stigma, but people within the straight community and and, and and even further afield, um, people contacted me from India and uh, Egypt, where it's actually illegal to be gay, and they have to go undercover every month mm. to to uh, pick up their medication. You know, the, it it really is. I mean, it's just still a problem um, with the stigma and the shame. And I think the best thing I can do is say is, you know, we have these amazing resources now available, which which I didn't even have la- in in the last ten years. Things like just social media. Um, is, is an amazing tool and there's so many yeah. people that you can connect with who are able to help and, and coach and just be inspired by and yeah. um, on top of that the the Terence Higgins Trust um, are there to help everybody and they provide amazing services yeah. to help uh, individuals living with with HIV. Wonderful and I can link all of that in the in the episode description yeah. as well so um, just to make sure if anyone is listening and um, yeah you are currently living with HIV or you've been recently diagnosed I'll make sure um, mm-hmm. all those resources are there amazing. so that is all of our questions and Luke you've been an amazing guest um, <laughs> one of the most interesting guests that I've ever had on the podcast and I feel very privileged that you have um, come on to share your story with with me and everyone else listening. No worries thank you Maddie it's been amazing and thank you for continuing like this conversation and uh, helping me amplify my voice which I had been silenced for 10 years so it's great that you're uh, there to help and spread the message thank you yeah and I feel yeah really privileged to be able to do so and um last thing if you haven't watched it's a sin yet Mm. um it broke loads of records on channel four it's an incredible incredible show and um it will give you a bit more of an insight to yeah just the way that um queer people were treated back then and um yeah the brutal reality of the AIDS epidemic so go and check it out and um yeah awesome you're you're Aussie I, I take yes yeah 
<laughs> There's an amazing Australian film called Holding Holding the Man. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't heard of it. Um, it's an amazing film. It's kind of about this. Um, it's a very similar story to It's a Sin, but it's uh, obviously a film. Uh, it was shot in 2015, and it's uh, beautifully Ooh. shot. And it's um, about how it's a similar story to It's a Sin, but how it was affe- how it affected mm. um, in Sydney. Um, in the 80s and it's oh, wow. it's actually an autobiographical piece which w- makes it so beautiful um the story is told by the actual main character in the show he actually goes on to be a writer and cool. he writes this story which is basically about his life with his um, partner uh, and how they dealt with the whole epidemic so it's absolutely amazing oh that's amazing well yeah um thank you for the recommendation and i'll, I'll put a link to there in the episode description as well this episode description is so juicy full of links so, <laughs> um, like yeah <laughs> a bit of an essay a bit of a dissertation um yeah thank you so much for joining the show luke and i'll chat to you soon no worries thanks everybody I hope you enjoyed my chat with Luke. Please let me know if you have any thoughts or stories of your own to share through my Instagram, it's at madsworld.mp3 or through my website, it's madsworld.co. Love and elbow taps. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.